Gracious Father, we do thank you for your goodness to us today, that you have given us the strength to rise to, uh, to actually do something today. Uh, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, which indwells every believer, uh, and how he uh, continues to guide us in your truth as we open up your word in our daily devotions, as we pray to you throughout the day, uh, and as we come together as the family of God, uh, and as we sung just moments ago, that you would bind us together, um, because the commonality that we have as uh, individuals here in this uh, building this morning is the fact that we've all been uh, washed in the blood of the Lamb, uh, that we know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, and so as a result of that uh, and the exercising of faith and repentance, uh, Father, uh, you have bound us together uh, eternally. Uh, and we thank you for that and just ask as we uh, look at the final verses of Ephesians chapter 6 this morning as we close out this uh, book on this uh, journey that we've been on, uh, that you would encourage us, help us to see uh, the importance of having close Christian uh, brothers and sisters uh, in Christ uh, so that they can uh, be an encouragement to us uh, as we take a look at our text this morning and see how much of an encouragement Tychicus was uh, to Paul. Uh, and as we consider uh, just uh, your goodness to us as uh, your children. So, Father, we thank you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Our text is verses 21 through 24. Uh, and as it says in the bulletin this morning, these are the final thoughts of the book of Ephesians. And it's hard to believe we're here. Some of you are probably saying, I never thought this day would arrive. Um, but you know, that's okay. Um, uh, God is good. His word is always true, always applicable. Uh, and so as we begin, um, I will go ahead and read our text this morning. Um, we're going to take a look at the beloved brother, uh, Tychicus, as we begin out. Um, so let's begin there in verse 21 where it says, So that you may or also may know how I am doing and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. So these are Paul's final words as he closes out this letter after we took the last two weeks to take a look at the armor of God uh, to realize that we are on a spiritual battlefield. Uh, and it is important, it is vital, it is of great importance for us to know where we stand, uh, on what we stand, and to make sure that we have on the whole armor of God. Uh, and Paul, as he is uh, writing these final greetings, uh, as he is encouraging the, uh, this young church in Ephesus, uh, he is sending along uh, one that the text calls the beloved brother um, as uh, a uh, person of interest because um, Tychicus is mentioned uh, five times in the scripture. Uh, and one of those is right here in our text this morning. Uh, and it may not seem as though, you know, that's very significant. Um, but what is said about Tychicus, uh, I think, is of significance. Uh, 
um, and in something that we can see is um, applicable to us today. Uh, if we were to take the time to look in Acts chapter 20, uh, he is mentioned as one of Paul's companions uh, during his third missionary journey. Uh, and it is here that we find out that he is a native of Asia, uh, along with a man named Troph- Troph- yeah. Trophimus. Uh, and so uh, we see that he is with Paul. He is uh, watching Paul, experiencing what Paul is going through as he's on this uh, missionary journey. Uh, if we took the time to look at Titus chapter 3, we'd see that he was one of two potentially being sent uh, to encourage Titus. Uh, and in 2 Timothy 4, uh, we would find that uh, Tychicus is the one that was sent to uh, Ephesus. Uh, so Paul ended up sending him on missions uh, for him to be an encouragement to accomplish things. Uh, and then uh, beside our text here in Ephesians, there is also in the book of Colossians, which I'd like you just to keep your finger here in Ephesians 6 and turn to Colossians chapter 4, uh, because we're going to see here Paul, uh, uh, as he is encouraging uh, the church at Colossae here, uh, sending his good friend Uh, and beloved brother, fellow servant in the Lord, uh, to the church there. Uh, Beginning in verse 7 of chapter 4 of Colossians, it says, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. So between Colossians and Ephesians, you know, you you look at these and uh, you'll notice that there seems like there's a lot of similarities between the the closing in Ephesians and what we find here in Colossians chapter 4. And you would be right by that assessment. Uh, Paul is not just saying something as a generic, you know, closing to these two letters, letters that Tychicus would actually end up being the ones taking them to these respective places, um, and not to, in some way, puff up Tychicus as he takes these letters, but in order to communicate to us, uh, you know, quite a few things in relation to uh, the relationship that Paul and Tychicus had, um, but also to... um, Uh, what it means to have someone who is a close Christian friend. Uh, You'll notice between those two texts that twice he is mentioned as the beloved brother. You know, not just a brother in Christ, but beloved. Someone that had a special place in Paul's heart, uh, in, you know, being an encouragement to him, uh, somebody that he trusted. Uh, He's mentioned twice as a faithful minister, Um, So he's not just filling a void. He's not just um, there to to be the extra person or the odd man out. He is someone who is faithful uh, to who Jesus Christ is, faithful in his service, uh, and a faithful minister of the gospel. He's also mentioned twice as an encourager of hearts. So part of his gifting that the Spirit has given to Tychicus uh, in relation to the, uh, you know, between Paul and Tychicus and those that were with Paul uh, was that of encourager, but also that he was sent to be an encourager. Um, you know, when you come around someone who has the ability to 
lift your spirits when you find yourself spiritually down, uh, to take you to the scriptures to remind you of truths you already know. You know, these are the kinds of things that uh, Tychicus would do as an encourager of hearts to let them know that they're not alone in their persecution of faith, to let them know that uh, they are, uh, you know, surrounded by those that are brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, that uh, anything that would be used to encourage their hearts. And you'll notice twice it mentions that he is the one who would share everything concerning how Paul and those who were with him were doing. So really, Tychicus, to some extent, was sent on behalf of Paul and everyone that was ministering on Paul's missionary journeys to give an update to, you know, the church. You know, when we have our missionaries come back and they share personally of what God is doing uh, in their respective mission field that God has called them to, um, you know, this is what we see, you know, Tychicus doing as he's letting them know. Uh, and as you know, we looked uh, at the end there uh, of um, the last few verses of chapter 6 last time, uh, Paul calls on them to pray. Uh, and so what better way for them to pray even more specifically than to have someone come and say, you know, well, this is what the Spirit is doing through Paul. Um, that, you know, we're seeing God work in a mighty way because as the gospel is proclaimed, not only are Jews coming to the knowledge of salvation in Christ, but so are Gentiles. Uh, and let me share with you how God spared our lives when, uh, because as we take a look at this, you know, Tychicus was with Paul in many of those things that he mentioned uh, that he experienced as a result of his faith and what he was called to suffer as a result of being a minister of the gospel. And between those two texts, he is, is mentioned once as a fellow servant. Um, not above Paul, not below Paul, but as a brother in arms, a fellow servant uh, both of which are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as you take a look at this, um, you know, in this relationship and the fact that Paul mentions twice in two separate letters uh, to two separate churches, uh, the, uh, the character as well as what Tychicus did in relation to being Paul's partner and friend, beloved brother, uh, but also said to be an encouragement to uh, those churches in such a way that they would see that God is working uh, in and amongst them as they travel around. So there's a, there's a close friendship here uh, between Tychicus and Paul. Which brings me to, you know, what I believe is a, a good uh, application for us today. Uh, and that's the fact that we need to have close Christian friends. I'm not talking about just acquaintances you have. Um, I'm talking about someone that you would consider to be in your, your inner circle. I mean, even Jesus Christ had an inner circle of disciples that he ministered to you know, more than he did the rest. Um, you know, we need close Christian friends for uh, a barrage of reasons. I'm going to only share a few with you this morning, but I think we can learn from this example of what Paul and Tychicus had as um, beloved brothers one to another, um, but also two for us today. Uh, and so if you don't have a close Christian friend, someone that you can you know, call when you're feeling discouraged, uh, someone that you can you know, stop in and say, you know what, I really need prayer for this right now because, 
Or a close Christian friend that'll call you and say, hey, you haven't been in church for the last couple of weeks. Is everything okay? You know, uh, or, you know, have you, you know, been spending time in prayer? I know that you're, you know, being oppressed by a bunch of things that, you know, have made your thoughts anxious about or fearful about things that uh, may or may not happen. Um, see, there's an important you know, aspect in which, you know, and I've said before, even in relation to the church as a whole, is that there's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. Um, we are relational beings. And so having a close, personal Christian friend, someone that you can count on, someone that you can trust, someone that can, you know, be a beloved brother or sister in Christ uh, is of importance to us even today. First, because of uh, accountability and encouragement. Um, you know, in order to flee sin and be obedient to God. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So one of the things that a close Christian friend can do is ask you the difficult question. Or, you know, because they're closer to you, may be able to admonish you in a way that someone who is, you know, just part of maybe the local church cannot. Because they know you. They know your habits. They, they know your strengths, your weaknesses. Uh, and so, therefore, they can call you out when they see you, you know, not doing what the Bible tells you to do. When you find yourself being disobedient, that's that close brother or sister that can say, wait a minute, you know you're not supposed to be doing this. Yes, the battle is raging around you. Yes, it is hard. But you know what? We're in this together, all for the glory of God. And have someone that can do that with you to call you out when you've just <laughs> messed up is of profound importance. And two, just to be obedient to God because, you know, sometimes we just get so wrapped up in life that we find ourselves slowly as the, you know, the frog in the kettle slowly warming, not realizing that we are slowly participating in and becoming disobedient to God. You know, well, because this is happening in my life over here, I can't come to church this week because, or, you know what, the, I could come to the Bible study, but you know, I've got to go do this over here with, you know, for work, and, you know, all these things are trying to pull for your, your attention, for your focus, uh, and, you know, the things of this world oftentimes pull us away from God. And so having a close Christian brother or sister that can say, hey, you know what, you're spending an awful lot of time in life and not preparing yourself for it. Uh, which we know, again, the spiritual battle does not dissipate, does not disappear just because we think it's not there or that we're not on that battlefield. We are. So again, you need to know in whom you stand and where you stand and make sure that you're putting on the full armor of God. And somebody that's a close Christian brother or sister can call you to flee sin and to be obedient to God. Second is to, uh, to do good works and to grow in faith. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, 
not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, the thing is, is that as the return of Christ comes closer and closer, which, you know, as you look at the news, many people are, you know, starting to connect dots and saying, well, it's got to be getting really close. Okay, well, it could. It could happen in the next few moments before we're even done this service this morning. But, you know, the thing is, is as we're, we're looking towards that day, we have to make sure that we're, you know, uh, like the virgins who have their lamps full of oil and are ready. You know, we got to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves and preparing for the battle that is right in front of us. Uh, and, you know, growing in our faith is of utmost importance. So if all that you do is come to church on Sunday for, you know, a half an hour sermon and to sing a few songs, and that's the extent of your obedience to God, if that's the extent of your growth in your spiritual walk with God, then you're going to be a spiritual pygmy. You're, you're not going to grow. Because the thing is, is that, you know, that one hour out of all the hours of the week isn't going to fully prepare you for everything that you're going to face. Yes, the Holy Spirit indwells you and is with you wherever you go. But see, the thing is, is that we are called to to examine ourselves, we're called to abide in Christ. We're uh, called to, to make sure uh, of our calling and election, uh, to, to make sure that we are taking care of feeding ourselves spiritually. You know, we don't think twice about the fact that, you know, when our stomach tells us we're hungry, to go into the refrigerator, open the doors, stand there for about three minutes looking for something to eat, and never find it, and then eventually finding something to eat, Okay. But when it comes to spiritual things, sometimes we do not heed the warnings of the Holy Spirit. Instead, we quench him. Instead of being obedient and, and picking up the word of God and reading it, instead of, say, you know, flipping through and watching all those very funny memes that you can watch every day and share them with all of your friends, and before you know it, you know, five hours has gone by, and you could have been reading the Word of God as part of that or all of that time, knowing that the Word of God does not return void, that His promises, as you know them and as they you know, become part of who you are, the Spirit will bring to you remembrance to help you fight in the battle that you find yourself facing, no matter what it is. See, the closer you are to God, the more you're going to desire God. It goes hand in hand. You know, as you, as you experience God, as you have his word do its good work in you, and, and, and I, you know, if you think back to when you first became a believer, and if you're around a new believer, they cannot get enough of church, they can't get enough of being around other believers, they can't get enough of reading the word of God, memorizing the word of God, they can't get enough of praying, they, don't, they can't get enough of you answer, asking you questions so that you can answer them. And then what happens when we all of a sudden mature in our Christian faith, we cease doing much of that. And see, a close friend can keep you accountable in that to, to actually be part of what's going on. Not just being a spectator, but actually realizing that you're in the middle of a battle. And part of that battle is us glorifying God in all of it. 
So when we gather together on Sunday and we do sing praises, when we come together, you know, in the month of December, remember Christ's birth, um, you know, all of that comes together to foster an environment where the more that we spend time with God, the more we're going to desire him, the more it's going to have its good effect on our lives. And, you know, a close Christian friend can see when we're starving ourselves spiritually. When all you talk about is the weather, the boss that you hate, all the family dynamics, oh, it's Christmas time again, so I gotta put up with that aunt, uncle, you know, whatever, you know, as they do what they do at the Christmas party, all those things can just detract and pull our attention away. And so a close friend can draw us back in, point us towards the Savior. Third, to keep one's focus on God when things get difficult. Life is messy and life is difficult. It's not easy living the Christian life. It's not easy living the non-Christian life. But so much more as we find ourselves on this battlefield, where our focus is is going to determine a lot in our walk. You know, we talked about the flaming darts of the evil one and how the flaming dart is meant for distraction, for you to focus on the fire and not on the actual battle that's coming. And so as we think about this, keeping our focus on God, even when things get difficult, is important. Hebrews chapter 12, uh, it's one of my favorite passages as I, you know, consider uh, Christ. It says there in verse 1, therefore, which is referring back to chapter 11, which is the chapter of faith, about all those who believed in God and lived their lives accordingly. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside two things, every weight and sin. Okay, so there is things that can bog you down that are not sin. So what things in your walk with God or in your daily life are clouding your judgment, trying to pull your attention somewhere else that are dragging you down that you need to give to God? As it says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. We're no longer slaves to sin, but we certainly can give in to temptation to sin. And that's why we need to make sure we have the full armor of God on. It says, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. Why? So that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. See, that's part of what Jesus Christ has done, that when we fix our eyes on him, we realize that his sacrifice was not him just going through motions to accomplish something. If it's God, answer. It's us understanding that he was falsely accused, 
He was falsely beaten. He was falsely crucified. Now, there was purpose behind all of it. Don't get me wrong. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, did not deserve dying on a cross. In obedience to the Father, he did die on that cross. And it says here that he despised the shame, endured the cross and despised the shame, the shame of dying a, a uh, criminal's death. Why? So that we would not grow weary and lose heart. See, the thing is, a good Christian friend can say, hey, you know what you're fixing your eyes on? It's not Jesus. You're fixing your eyes on all of the flaming arrows all around you. You're, you're focusing on what may happen or the what-ifs of life, or you're focusing on anything but Jesus Christ. And as a result, this is why you are feeling the way you're feeling, the, the reason why you're depressed, the reason why you have fear and anxiety, because you're not fixing your eyes on Jesus. Because when you fix your eyes on Jesus, there's no room for anything else. And he will guide you and direct you where you should go. Whether life is difficult or not. It's important to have having close friends for accountability and encouragement, but also for prayer. We already looked at Ephesians 6.18 because, you know, prayer is a powerful weapon. It says they're praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Part of having someone that's close is you can call them at a moment's notice and you don't even have to call anymore. You can just text Please pray for me right now. I am being tempted to say something that I shouldn't say. And I know that's going to cause others to not see Jesus Christ. See, we have no reason not to call on others to pray for us, let alone us having the opportunity to step right into the throne room ourselves. But the thing is, is when we're in the thick of things and when our eyes are not fixed on Jesus... It's as, almost as if God doesn't even exist at those moments. And that's why you need somebody close, somebody that knows you well, that can identify the things that you are not identifying. For prayer, because it gives us the opportunity to do good. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Verse 10, same chapter. So then, as we have the opportunity, let's do good to everyone, and especially to those of the household of faith. So what you can do if you're that close friend for the, the close friend that is not living like they should, or if you're the one not living like you should, you should there is a mutual you know, casting and sharing of burdens that we can you know, help carry to the foot of the cross. Not carry indefinitely, but sometimes you need to stay step by step with your close friend because they need you by their side to take what they're holding on to with clenched fist to the foot of the cross and to cast it on God instead of holding on to it. To leave that backpack of burden with God instead of letting that drag them down. For prayer, because it gives us help in time of need. 
Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Sometimes it's as simple as saying, let's take this to the Lord in prayer. Oftentimes when people come to me burdened and not knowing what to do, and I really feel overwhelmed at this, this moment, you know, what do I do? Well, we take it to the hands that are capable, the hands that can free us of those burdens. And we can do so with confidence. You know, I don't know if you've ever been where you can see the grandeur of mountains that are, you know, 3,000, 5,000 feet in elevation. And, you know, if you are traveling from a distance, it seems as though they are just right there, that you could reach out and touch them, but you keep traveling and you're getting closer and there's getting more and more enormous the closer you get. And then if you climb them, it's just, you know, all inspiring. You see, sometimes what we do in our Christian walk is, is that we look at the throne of grace from a distance. We admire it, but we won't go there as if we're really just a glutton for being down in the dumps. And see, a close Christian friend can say, say or just grab you by the shoulders and shake you and say, stop it. Let's go to the throne. Stop looking at it. Let's go to it. Stop knowing it as a matter of fact and make it a reality and apply it. See, that's what a close Christian friend can do. So if you do not have a close Christian friend today, find one. Find someone that's not going to be a yes person that just tells you what you want to hear, but is able to tell you the things you don't want to hear. Because sometimes that close friend has to drag you kicking and screaming because you're acting like a child in your faith, being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine instead of believing and knowing not only in your mind but in your heart who God is and remembering his promises. Two more verses. This is the closing benediction, verses 23 and 24. You'll notice there that the words peace, love, faith, and grace. Well, if you go back all the way, if you can remember back to the very beginning, Paul opened his letter with grace and peace. In verse, one, or verse 2 of chapter 1, grace and peace from our God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And what does he do at the end is the capstone, or if you want to call them the two bookends. He reminds you of the peace that should be with the brothers, as well as the grace that should be with everyone who loves the Lord Jesus Christ with a love incorruptible. So peace that was proclaimed at the birth of Christ where the multitude of heavenly hosts praised God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. A peace that was preached to both those who were afar off and are near, by him who is our Prince of Peace, that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. 
A peace that was promised by Christ just before his crucifixion when he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And a peace that was provided by way of comfort to Christ's disciples after his resurrection when he said, Peace be with you. See, the thing is, in order for us to to know the peace of God, we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. Otherwise, you're going to be afraid. Otherwise, you're going to focus on everything else around you. Be confused, discouraged, depressed. When what we need to do is make sure that we are experiencing that peace that was proclaimed, preached, promised, and provided by none other than Jesus Christ himself. And a grace. A grace as we consider who God is that created everything that is, making man in his image with the capacity to have fellowship with him. The grace of God that sent his sinless son Jesus to live a life that revealed the Godhead to mankind, showing the greatest example of love by offering himself once for all. A grace of God that foreknew, predestined, called, justified, and will glorify those whom he knows by name and are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise as a guarantee. Because all that the Father has given to the Son, he will lose none. A grace of God that gave the indwelling Holy Spirit to be our teacher and our guide throughout this life as he, his fruit fills each individual believer as part of Christ's church. A grace of God that awaits the second coming of the Son of God in all of his glory, ushering in the kingdom of God where we will enter into an unbroken fellowship with God forever. And a grace of God that Paul desired for all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with a love incorruptible. That word in Greek means a never diminishing love. It, it does not wane. It does not diminish because we have been given a love from the, the, the Lord God Almighty. We are now able to love because he first loved us. And even though we may divert and keep our focus somewhere else than God himself, that does not change the love that he has for us, nor does it change the love that we can give to God when our eyes are fixed on him. But see, the thing is, there's a chance that we may allow that love to become diminished in our perception because we're not focusing our eyes and our mouths and our ears and our hearts where they need to be. That's what Paul desired, is that grace of God, that even when we do those things, that God is gracious to us, that his Holy Spirit will draw us back in, will discipline us when we need to be disciplined, will embrace us when we need to be embraced. And then love with faith. You know, considering just two scriptures, and as you look at all of these, the, the peace, the love, the faith, and the grace, there are multiple 
times throughout all six chapters of Ephesians where we can point out each one of these things. These themes are not just bookends. They are bookends, but there are themes that are woven in to every verse of the book of Ephesians. Chapter 1, verse 15, For this reason, because I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints. See, when we have the gift of faith that God gives us in order to trust him as Lord and Savior, you know, a faith that isn't just for salvation, but a faith that continues on so that we, we continue to trust God more and more. Because the more that we get to know God and who he is and what he has done for us, the more that grows our love for him, but also our love for others. In chapter 3, verses 17 and 19, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you could know a love that, that truly transcends everything, and when you think about it, it, it even transcends what we would consider as the answer to the question, why? Why would God love the unlovable? Well, it's because it's his character. He is love. Now, that doesn't mean that he, he pushes sin aside because we know through Jesus that sin needed to be paid for. And either Jesus pays for your sin your wages, or you yourself pay for them as your judge for all of eternity. But that does not change God's love. So how should this inform our lives today? Oops, I guess I missed one. Well, I guess I missed more than one. <laughs> Get so wrapped up in what I'm saying, I'm forgetting to click... We started this journey January 17th of 2021. Yep. Today is 12-17-2023, 96 sermons. So that tells you that I preached on other things besides Ephesians during that time, and Pastor Caden had you know, quite a few in that two-year time frame to preach as well. But as you think about that, are they just 96 sermons of information? Or is it truths that can transform? I will close with the quote that I started with at the very beginning from Spurgeon. He said, the epistle to the Ephesians is a complete body of divinity. In the first chapter, you have the doctrines of the gospel. In the next, you have the experience of the Christians. And before the epistle is finished, you have the precepts of the Christian faith. Whosoever would see Christianity in one treatise, let him read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the epistle to the Ephesians. Thank you for clicking forward. See, I think they clicked forward for me. So what are you going to do as you look back over all that we've learned? 
Hopefully you've taken the time to mark it in your Bible so that when you forget that salvation belongs to God, because Satan is tempting you to doubt that you're saved because of your sin, because you did that thing, that you can go back to the fact that your salvation is in Christ and that Christ is the one who saved you. Or to know that you're in a, uh, a spiritual battle and you need to be wearing the full armor of God and standing in the power of, of God's strength and not your own. To know that salvation has been made available to both Jew and Gentile because in Jesus Christ they become one because there is one church that is the bride, that is the body of Christ. There's all kinds of things you can look back to. And the question is, have you applied it? Have it made it part of who you are? Because I can guarantee when you do, it's going to change you. Change you from the inside out. And as it changes you, it's going to change others around you. Because we all have our ebbs and flows. We all have our mountaintops and our valleys as we live the Christian life. But just remember, you're not alone on that battlefield. You don't have to be Eeyore and say, woe is me. And think that it's all you. It's not. You have others you can turn to on a horizontal level that can encourage you, that can point you to the scriptures, that can help you see who you are in Christ Jesus. As well as remembering that you have the Holy Spirit of God who is the seal until the day of redemption, who is the guarantee of the eternal life and the salvation that only Jesus can provide. That God's going to bring you home. He's not going to lose somebody along the way. There isn't going to be a bump in the proverbial Christian road and you get ousted out of the vehicle. God's got you. Let's bow for a closing word of prayer. Gracious Father, Lord, there is just so much for us to be thankful for this morning. Uh, as we consider this whole book of Ephesians and all the, the lessons that we've learned, all the things that we uh, can now apply to our, our Christian walk, as we particularly look at the last half of the book of Ephesians, but also to just um, things that we can apply in the first half as we examine those truths in relation to our salvation, in relation to the Christian life, in relation to our enemy and not giving him a foothold. Uh, just so many things, so many wonderful things that we need to chew on and contemplate and digest and make part of who we are inwardly so that it, it affects not only what we think, say, and do, but also affects everyone around us in what they think, say, and do and ultimately points them to the Lord Jesus Christ so that they can know the salvation that is in Christ alone. And so, Father, we thank you for this journey um, and just ask that you would draw us to yourself. 
In Jesus' name, amen.